Hey everybody, welcome back to another Photog Adventures podcast. I'm Aaron King. I'm Brendan Porter. With families and day jobs, we know it's hard to find time to get out there with your camera. So Brendan and I joined together and made the commitment to go out consistently and build up our landscape and astrophotography portfolios. We live in Utah and are lucky to have so many beautiful landscapes all around us. Not only do we have five national parks right here in Utah, but we are only a day or less drive away from 30 other national parks. So we created PhotogAdventures.com, this podcast, and our YouTube channel to chronicle our adventures. Come along with us to amazing places and learn from our mistakes and our successes. We hope that you will get out there too and have a photog adventure of your own. It's episode 71 and we're back. 71. That's amazing. A couple days late. It is amazing, 71. I just listened to a podcast that I love and it's on their episode 200. And I'm thinking, man, we're going to hit 100 this year and that's going to feel awesome. Yeah. But she said it's five years of podcasting and I wanted to do the math. How does that work? I would have thought five years. Is it really five years? So 500, okay, no, no, 200 episodes divided by 50, 104, or how's that work? No, there's Let's 52 see, weeks in a year. 52 weeks in a year. You times that by five years, it's 208 with only four years. So maybe she wasn't doing it every week at the she time. She wasn't because that's 3.8. So if she did it for four years straight, she'd be over 200 episodes. But there must have been some breaking point. So Yeah, yeah and we've been doing the podcast for 1.3 years. In fact, we could celebrate it. Let's celebrate it right now. Tomorrow, Brendan marks two years, two years for us doing this. Oh, wow. Yeah, March 8th is the day that Brendan and I went out and did our first Milky Way. Very, 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 very first Milky Way together. It's only two years since we've done that? 2016? Yeah, that's nuts, oh, isn't it? it? It definitely yeah. seems like it's been way longer because I think <laughs> because we spent a lot of time together in the last two years and we've done so many you know, been to so many places, so many places that uh, it just feels like, you know, cause before, I think before we did this, um, for me to go out and do that many adventures, it probably would have taken me five years. Right. If, and actually I can guarantee you it wouldn't have taken, it would have taken me 10 years because I didn't go to any of these places in the last five years. And so, yeah, for some reason yeah. on your own, you just don't get out and do it, but it's been awesome having you man to be committed to once a month at least if not twice let's go out and do something with our cameras and we've been we've been doing it yes. wow so march 8th is 2 years and we've gone live on photog adventures podcast as of september 8th 2017 no we 2016 mm-hmm. so that means we'll be 2 years this september 8th and we won't even be in the states then we'll be already back out in the uk hanging with james kelly getting ready for our faroe islands workshop if you guys haven't signed up for it yet we have a few slots left available and i mentioned it last time and unfortunately i haven't been able to get it done i think most of you understand why but there is two there are there are two workshops coming out that i'm going to finish up today and tomorrow get the pricing out there get them ready to go escalante has not contacted us back brendan and that guy had an all day uh, class for those doing permits and workshops in escalante they did that today oh so jeff peterson's down there right now and we never heard about it i checked our po box we what? haven't gotten an invite and so we're going to contact him and make sure we're all good to go it's not a bad sign it's just mm. a sign that he hasn't gotten to our paperwork yet because the guy was nine weeks behind and we talked to him what beginning of january and again in the beginning of february and yeah so, so i should call him then and find out uh, what's going on please there. do please do because we've got escalante people who are really excited to get out there i'm really excited to get out there so these workshops are happening and we got them coming up and so we've got slots right now for Faroe Islands if you want to get out there with us and James Kelly and we're going to have Milky Way workshops up there in about 
guaranteed by this Sunday. It's right now we're recording on Wednesday, right? Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And by this Sunday, they'll be up and running. So check those out at photogadventures.com forward slash adventures. So before we go into our adventure stories about the last couple places we've been, I want to talk to you guys as a person and just give you guys a little bit more behind the scenes information. Brendan and I have always valued being open with you guys, and we feel like you are our friends, and we're encouraging you, get out there and have a photog adventure on your own, and we tell our stupid stories, and when we make stupid mistakes, we tell you about it, and we don't try to, to our chagrin, a lot of you remember those <laughs> mistakes and remind us about them, and so it's just going to be something that we are fine with being open about everything, and I'm even going to be open about the fact that I'm getting a divorce. Um, I've told people on Facebook, which was kind of a fun and terrible thing to do. I love all you guys that responded to me, but I felt so inundated and so overwhelmed by how do I respond to each of you yet, and mm. I haven't yet. And so I really appreciate your guys' comments on Sunday. And I just, I'm overwhelmed with the feeling of support and friendship. So thanks so much. Um, it's a tough time for my family, tough time for me. But it's just something that in my, in my marriage, there's been the, the things missing. And it's not something about infidelity. It's not about drugs. My wife isn't a, a crazy secret ninja who's been out killing people and I didn't know about it and just found out. I'm like, Although that would be through. awesome. Yeah. Although I wish it was the reason why we're getting divorced. <laughs> That'd be pretty awesome. So it's nothing like that. It's just sometimes the love. I mean, I feel like I'm talking to kids now. I'm like, sometimes mommies and daddies don't love each other. And so it's just something mm. that between my wife and I, it is time. And it's not, you know, easy going for us at all. But it's amicable. And it's amicable and it's good. And I know that I'm here in the studio again in my old home because she's allowing me to. And so I know it's amicable. And I hope that this is proof that it is. But it's definitely messing with my situation. Not just my head and my heart, but with the situation of the studio that I've been building, excited about. We did Monday Moment of Envies in our new layout here. And now Brendan doesn't have a studio. He, he can come here once in a while, but we're losing this. And I don't have my work stuff. I have had had all of our camera gear and our mic podcasting equipment and my even iMac computer, the 27-inch iMac computer, in my car for the last couple weeks. We went to our trip to Death Valley, Joshua Tree, Channel Islands. We went all the way out to these locations. And then I came back from that trip, and I just remained on a trip. I've been in Airbnbs and crappy hotels and listened to yokels in the room next to me making tons of noise and people walking down the hallway yelling at each other at 6 a.m. And it's just uh, it's been mm. really fun. Do you know the movie Big where he goes out to New York for the first night and he's staying in that <laughs> hotel? Yeah. There weren't any gunshots and people screaming, but I just felt like the guy in Big where it's like, oh, this is my, this is my life now. This is my life, at least for now. Mm. As I've been looking for places to stay here in this area in Orem, Utah, there are two universities, BYU and UVU. And so Brigham Young University and Utah Valley University are both really popular, really full of people, and a lot of apartments for them. And I keep getting rejected being a 36-year-old man. So I feel young when I go out with all of you guys, and now I feel really old trying to get an apartment in this area. So <laughs> you have to be 29 years or younger. And so I'm going to find a place, I'm going to settle in, and I'm going to have all my equipment to finish. Those of you with the Milky Way course, I apologize that the last few modules are not sent to you. There's some editing that I'm still doing and recording of my processing of images. And so I owe you guys this content and this podcast and our YouTube channel so much more. And we're going to get ahead of it again soon. I just have to recapture my 
my sanity and my situation, my condition to work. And once I get that good condition to work because I have a place, it'll get a lot easier. You keep hearing from us. Nothing's going to stop on Photog Adventures. I, I, in the divorce, I kept Brendan, and so I still have custody over Brendan in the divorce, so we're okay. Yeah, full, full custody, actually. Full custody. Nothing's going to stop us you. now. Nothing's going <laughs> to stop us now. Whatever <laughs> that is from. Some yeah. Nothing, you remember song? what that's from? Is it some song? Maybe it's an 80s something. It's, I don't know. Maybe I'm mixing two 80s songs together. But anyways, we're, we're still going. <laughs> and I'm going to spend some time probably living at Brendan's house for a couple of days and getting some content out too, like our ebook. And so Maybe. apologies yeah. that things have been crazy. If you ever thought, man, Aaron, get consistent. You got to be consistent. Just know that the reason why I wasn't is because it's going through this since last Thanksgiving and it's just been challenging. And so I've been trying to get through this and work hard through all of it. And so hopefully you guys didn't notice before, but the consistency was definitely a problem. And those are a lot of the reasons why it's been difficult, but I'm coming out of it. It's going to be great. So no more of that depression stuff. Just want to be open with you guys. We really appreciate you listening and hope that you guys are having fun. Those of you who are patrons, hope you're having fun being a patron of us and enjoying your $2, $5 coming our way every month to help us do these things as well as just those of you who are listening and uh, you know excited to come on the Facebook group and talk about your pictures. Thank you so much. Yeah, it means a lot, really guys. You guys. Yeah, thank you. So, Brendan, this trip, what are we going to talk about for our episode 71? So, episode 70 was about the getting out to Death Valley, and then after Death Valley, we left, and Jeff went home, and Tim went home, and we continued on towards the coast. And on our way to the coast, we hit Joshua Tree National Park. Yes, first time ever. Yeah, first time ever. I've seen lots of images, and I was super excited to see some of the cool rock formations, stuff like that. Our situation didn't quite end up with that, but we did get a Milky Way. It was pretty amazing. And uh, we said, we, you know, we worked with the foreground as best as we could. Um, people had talked about the Cyclops eye or the eye um, rock that is, you know, lots of climbers are into and climbing and talk about. And so we wanted to hit that spot. We went straight there on the map and um, it was freezing cold. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So out in Joshua Tree, there if you guys don't know the area, there's a city in Joshua Tree and a city of Yucca Valley, and those are close to Joshua Tree National Park, and you right, drive right into it. Yeah. You go up on there. Joshua Trees are everywhere, of course, but there's also these crazy crazy rock formations and it's just we've seen rock formations here in utah all throughout we love them they're Mm -hmm, awesome but mm -hmm. these all look like someone stacked marbles and flat rocks that have rounded edges all together and piled them up everywhere it's like some giant came through here and piled rocks for you they're incredible the way that they're even stuck together at all yeah and i wish we could have seen that at night when we went there we had no idea we were driving it was literally pitch black i mean we couldn't see anything but the road and the poor dead little bunny that we hit, because there's always got to be a casualty somewhere <laughs> on these trips. And so um, <laughs> this guy had it going, coming for him, so he just went right for the tire. Um, he was tired of his living situation. He, was, he went out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So whatever his motivation was, we uh, rest in peace, my friend. Um, Sorry, buddy. Sorry, my friend. So we went to our spot. We saw the cool rock in the in the background, and we tried lighting it up with our, with our light, and... Uh, I used my phone to light up, but the last shot that I got is probably one of my favorites because I used my phone to as a little light panel just to give a little bit more emphasis and a little bit more light on this Joshua tree that was off in the left side of my frame. 
And I actually put that light in a little bush that was, you know, really skinny, scraggly branches, barely holding this phone up and uh, shined it up on the light uh, on the tree. And so it actually looks really cool. So I was just looking at that image a few minutes ago and doing a little bit minor, minor editing because uh, I was able to get my camera settings really well set after, let's see, probably 20 images. And so this is the 21st image. So, you know, once you get your focus set and you start taking pictures and you start adjusting your composition and stuff, I think I might have even done a little bit of a panel that I got to work on a little bit later too. So, um, so yeah, uh, really cool. I like the way that the light hit the green. You can see this really nice green tree because they were pretty green. And we didn't know that until we lit them up um, because it was seriously pitch black. So I guess people in California, this is where you go. If you want to see Milky Way, it's a really popular spot. It's probably not too far for a lot of California people Quick in area LA and stuff. out of LA. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so you guys are aware we didn't make it in time for sunset. So that's why mm. we had to drive out in the morning. And at this time of the year, 3 a.m. is when you the Milky Way starts going over the horizon in February Milky Way, at least at our latitude. And so in this area, we knew, okay, let's get some sleep. We'll go out there and we drive out at night to set up, but we weren't going to be able to see all the different options. And that's why mm. daylight scouting is so important because you can pick something that's going to be a fantastic, fantastic foreground element and add really nice elements to your composition. And then you can also plan how you're going to light. When we were out there in the dark, we saw the formations as these black silhouettes. Mm -hmm. And then it took us a while to realize, okay, where's the Milky Way core? I can't see it. We thought we'd see it already. And didn't we end up going back and realizing that there's just these mountains in the distance and that's what was blocking our view of the Milky Way core? Yeah, yeah. So beyond beyond IROC, you can, if during the daytime when you're looking at it, you can see just like a mile away, there's another set of hills that are taller. And because of the distance, they look like they're a little bit shorter, you know, smaller than the eye, but obviously they're not. And the, they were blocking the Milky Way in the horizon. So we had to wait uh, maybe about 20 minutes or so, I guess, before it actually started rising above the eye rock and the rock next to it. And so, but then it started, you know, working out really well uh, as far as, you know, composition and stuff. Yeah, so let's talk about what went well and what didn't go well and tell more of the story, what it was like that morning. So first off story, then let's go into the what went well and what didn't go well. Yeah. Arriving on location, Brendan said it was so cold. Mm. And we get out and realize the space between us and the rock is perfect. We had no reason to take our cameras and tripods into the area with vegetation. Right. We didn't have to hike closer. We didn't have any reason to go off the road. And so we realized putting our tripods up, hey, uh, we can just go back in the car and wait till our Milky Way's a little higher, stay warm in the car, and we have nowhere to go. We can shoot directly from the road at this location. So that was fantastic. So we kind of set up both our tripods, got our cameras on it, got the light ready, and then we just climbed back in the car and spent, I don't know, what was it, 20 minutes, maybe 40 yeah, minutes hanging about, out in there? It was at least 20 minutes, yeah, to see to wait till the Milky Way came up a little higher. Because as you got a Milky Way rising, you also have the rest of the Milky Way going off at an angle, and it's nice if it can clear the rock formation more instead of being blocked by the rock formation. We have another hour and a half, you know, and so we didn't have to rush it. So we waited for that right moment, that right opportunity for the for Milky Way to be touching the rock formation on the right that was about the similar size as the eye rock and then going up and over the eye rock and then that Joshua tree that just was a very good a nice shape, a beautiful shape of a Joshua tree. So we waited mm -hmm. for that moment, and then we started getting our lighting going. And I'll start with what went well and what didn't go well, Brennan, then you do yours. Okay. One thing that really went well was the fact that, you know, 
the, the sky, even though there's light pollution in this area, we were looking east away from the Palm Springs area. We weren't, if we were dealing with the later Milky Way, September, August, you're looking right towards that light pollution area and you're going to have more issues of light bloom. Out here, looking away towards the east, there weren't any light blooms, not in, nothing that was really going to ruin it for you. But you could mm. tell that Joshua mm-hmm. Tree as a whole is not a very um, low light, level light area. So when Brennan's telling his what went well, didn't go well, I'm going to look it up and give you the precise bordal scale because it's not quite the darkest area you can go to. You can get more dark skies out in other places and so this is a really really great shot i'm really excited about it but we found what didn't go well was not having two of our lights you know the lights that we can put on stands because we had two rock faces if we brought the light all the way over to the left to light that first far right one we wouldn't light our tree anymore or we really blow out the right rock we really blow out the lights on the right rock formation and then the lights on the tree and the other rock formation would show up but then you'd have a really blown out imbalanced situation so I kind of compromised with keeping the right rock formation in shadow and then just lighting the rock formation up front and the Joshua tree. And Brendan has seen his pictures because of my situation. And you guys know before, I I haven't been getting my pictures processed in time. And so I don't have an idea of how well that turned out for me. But I know that I had enough light on the tree to see it. But Brendan says his favorite picture is the one where he lit up the tree even more. So we probably, probably what could have gone better is if we lit it even brighter, much brighter, really filled the tree with light so that the rocks were okay with what they were getting. Even though they got more light, it would have been okay because a lot of contrasting shadows to make them look interesting. And then the tree, the tree would have looked better. And so Mm -hmm. I probably should have turned our light up even more. Yeah, I've got a little bit of burning I need to do with the image that because I don't really like the foliage um, on the ground, the little bushes by the tree being lit up so much. So I'm going <sighs> to I'm going to burn those out a little darker just so the emphasis alone is on the trunk of the tree and the tree itself. Um, from my photo, the rock itself isn't that um, it's OK. It's lit, but it feels it feels like we should have moved the light maybe closer. But then if we did that, the light would be in our frame. And so it's just kind of this give and take. We didn't really have any time to scout like you said so that was probably the thing that didn't go well was was uh we were driving during the uh, the sunset was amazing too so we we're just like kicking ourselves like we should have left sucks. earlier like dang it like we yeah. suck so bad at that <laughs> but that but but that but even though i had well we could have had the best of both worlds really i mean we could have had an amazing sunset and then it, they all blew away and there was actually a very no clear clouds. night that night and so yeah it would have been one of those perfect perfect examples of like the perfect day and night where awesome <laughs> clouds, amazing volume of clouds and awesome colors and sunset, and then they all blow away for an awesome Milky <laughs> just Way. Just in time for a Milky Way. But we can never seem to get the timing down just right. So um, it's such a challenge. And I can, I, I'm sure every photographer feels that way. I'm sure every photographer feels oh, that yeah. same exact challenge. It's just like uh, getting there and being in the right place at the right time is just so difficult. So. Before you go on to your next what didn't go well, I want to talk more about the foliage being lit. And so that stupid Mm. foliage, I really need a taller stand for our light. I like using the tripod and typically Mm -hmm, it works mm -hmm. great. I tip it back and it lights a rock formation. But in situations where you have high brush, high issues there, you're going to really blow the lights off all of those leaves and it's going to be crazy on fire in the bottom of your frame. So you do have to burn it down to make it so it's not too bright so that it kind of balances out with the rest of 
the image. And so oh, it was yeah. tiring. I think part of the reason why I didn't turn my light up even more is because I was frustrated by those bushes. And I'm like, I don't want these to be even worse because mm-hmm. if I blow them out entirely and I have no data, that would be worse than having, you know, this and this. And so we got to use more of our lights. We need to take advantage of multiple lights and make these things look better. And when you guys come out with us in workshops, we have all the multiple lights. Our problem is packing for these trips. We just leave lights behind and we've got to stop doing that. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're very small lights and, uh, the light stands don't take a lot of room and they're, they're pretty light. So, um, there's really no reason to take uh, more, the more you have with you, the better, I think. So it just just gives you more options. And low-level lighting, a terrain like that, if you've got multiple subjects, dedicate lights to it and turn them to a brightness that helps them. Like when we had three lights out there over at the um, double arches and windows out at the mm-hmm. Arches National Park, it turned out fantastic because we could properly light our subject. And I think that these images are interesting. It's a great February Milky Way, but it's just uh, I wish the rocks were more interesting than they are. This rock had an eye, hopefully. You know, we thought there'd be a hole in it. But no, these rocks are just similarly shaped, similarly in, similar in height. And if it wasn't for the Joshua tree on the left, we, we basically had nothing else of interest in the shot. Yeah, I mean, you can see the hole. The hole does go all the way through, but you have to be like uh, 20 feet high to look through it to see the hole. So from the ground, <laughs> yeah. maybe even 30 feet. So from the ground, um, you just see the black top of the roof of the hole. You don't really even see it, especially at night. Um, it would be super cool to figure out a way to get the Milky Way through there, but but we went there during the day, and then we realized, okay, the hole is only like five feet radius, so it's like it's it's like not gonna be, you're not gonna be able to do it really to get a Milky. It Way wasn't gonna that. be a feature in no, the shot. It no. just would have been a gap, and it yeah. wouldn't have seemed like much. Exactly. So, what else did you have for what went well or what didn't go well? Um. So what went well is, uh, I think using my phone as a light panel did actually go well um i've been searching for apps and wondering if one even exists um that can just and maybe you guys can give us a clue uh on either our facebook group or uh through our website tell us if you found an app that actually lets you control the color of your screen just a solid panel and a kelvin and a kelvin so not so much a color temperature but a solid panel of color so it's not like it tells you the color temperature it just makes an entire graphic i want i want the color. whole panel to be either kelvin like 3300 kelvin or 5400 kelvin i want the whole panel to just have that um be that kelvin uh that kelvin rating and so and then you can control the brightness and the kelvin temperature and if i could find an app that just did those two things it'd be awesome because you could set up your you can set up your iphone especially if you got an iphone 7 plus or something you know similar size with a big screen then you could just use it as a mini light panel and i've noticed this trip it's been very valuable to have a little extra light just to highlight or give some rim light or something a little bit more than what you need uh, to, to really make your, your subject shine better. So Yeah, that's a really great op- option for like a last-ditch effort. You don't have anything else on you. Mm-hmm. Or we could bring all of our light panels and do a lot better. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but see, even with a light panel, um, what I noticed when I was shooting that little tree uh, is just another example where – you know, Jeff and I were down really low. This tree was only like eight inches tall. And so a regular light panel would have just... You're talking back at Death Valley now. Beth, Yeah, Death Valley. I mean, the regular light panel would have blown that out. You know what I mean? But you can turn your True. iPhone screen down so dim and just tuck it right next to, like, just behind your camera body. And it just provides just enough light to even out things and make it look a little nicer. So, 
Right on, yeah. right on. Anything else that went really well or was a challenge for you out there? I mean, other than, you know, I just wish we would have done some scouting. The, the rocks were so beautiful when we went there. We were just in awe the whole time uh, and driving referring, through. <laughs> yeah, he's referring to after we went, we finished with the Milky Way, we went home, got some more sleep. And then sometime after noon when we woke up, we went back out there. Yeah, we checked out around 11-ish and then we got out there probably close to noon. And mm-hmm. then, I mean, the line to get into the park was crazy, like 50 cars. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When we went in the morning, no one was there, of course. But when we went back, you had a huge line. And there's only one road for the most part. And so you're kind of stuck going the pace that other people are going. Yeah, and this is not like a holiday day. I mean, this is like an oh, average no. normal weekend weekday because this was like, uh, was it, what was it? It was uh, Monday was the holiday. Well, which day it is specifically doesn't really matter. Just knowing right. that it wasn't the holiday President's Day. President's Day had already ended it was yeah, later yeah. that week. So it was and just it wasn't nuts. Friday or Saturday already. So it's like, why are we, why are we in this kind of a line? I mean, I'm glad that the national parks getting visited, but it was crazy to think that we're getting that kind of a line right then. Yeah, it really was nuts. And so, and then once we got into the park, we could see why. You're like, wow, this is amazing. Like, what the heck? <laughs> So we might have chosen a different location maybe perhaps um, and maybe like a rock feature that we can get closer to and highlight better. You know, there's lots of things we would have done better if we would have uh, been able to scout the area first. And so, you know. I mean, that's something we've said so often in this podcast and you would think after two years (laughs) we would do it. But there's always conditions of we didn't drive in early enough time and we we didn't stop anywhere. It wasn't like some Mm -hmm. of our trips where we stop and have a long lunch. We just packed up with Jeff and Jim, uh, Jeff and uh, Tim, and went decided straight away we're going to go out there and get to Joshua Tree. And yet, just driving from there to there, too much time took. Oh, I take it back. We went to that delicious place to eat. Yeah, that's true. What I mean, was that place called? Big Mama Chew, Mama, Mama. No, it was. Um, it wasn't even that. It was something else <laughs> completely differently. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was something um, about. Um, it's something about donor kebabs, kebab. Mr. Kebab? It was Mr. Kebab, yeah. Mr. Kebab. Mr. Kebab. We got to talk to you guys about Mr. Kebab. Now, Brennan, you understand the food a lot more. Can you tell about it? Because we didn't talk about it in the Death Valley trip. I think we only talked about it here. Yeah, yeah, it because here. it was between, yeah, because it was after Death Valley. So, um, if we you drive from driving... Death Valley and head towards Joshua Tree, there's a place mm-hmm. called Barstow, California. Barstow. It's in and, Barstow. And Barstow is a big place. I mean, when you look at the map, uh, Barstow has lots of big freeways going through it. So, it, it's, I think it's always been one of those intersecting towns. And so, um, I think it's always been a trade place of trade and a place of commerce and stuff like that. So, um, we did some research real fast on the phone, looked up some Yelp reviews and Google reviews and tried to find a place that we could eat, <laughs> uh, for dinner because we were starving at that point. So glad you do that too. Cause you find such gems for mm, us. I do too. Cause I don't like eating gross food. Um, probably like a lot of <laughs> listeners. And I think so that's universal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, I love gross food. You jerks. Yeah. Um, anyway, so for the jerks out there that like gross food, I'm sorry. Um, oh wait, I'm the jerk. Sorry. Um, (laughs) they're idiots. We're jerks. (laughs) Anyway, so, uh, I, so, you know, Aaron and I have lived in, in Europe and if you go to visit or live in Europe, you're, you're going to get, uh, some influence by the East, you know, as far as food is concerned, you're going to be, you're going to be exposed to, uh, kebabs and Mediterranean food and, and, and that kind of stuff. And so Mm. when I saw this place had like like 4.8, I think, stars out of like 50-something reviews. I'm like, okay, this is a, like a must-go. Like you have to go to a place and <laughs> yeah. try it if it's got 4.8 out of like more than 50 reviews. That's just nuts, you know? And so 
Uh, we went there, and a lot of reviews said it's a family-owned. We love it, and it's small, but the food is great. And so we went there, and we could just smell. You know, you know, this, when you walk into a place, you smell, and you're just like, okay, this is amazing. You know, this is going to be terrific. And the crazy thing about it is, you, I got pictures for you guys in the show notes. If you go to photogadventures.com, EP or oh, forward slash EP seven mm-hmm. one, you go to there, you'll find the notes, and you'll see pictures of Mr. Kebab Shop, and the outside is just like. What? that looking great Mm -mm. you go in there are two tables it's two tables and kind of a buffet style or when you go to a donut or pastry shop have that big old glass up front and you got a bunch of buffet style choices and you just grab it and there's a kitchen back there tiny space for them to serve it to you and two tables that's it yeah and it looks like it is a dive a literal dive of a place but man this hole in the wall place was beautifully had beautiful food smelt amazing and it's just i tried things i never had before like that yogurt with the something something what was that did you have stuff cucumber did you have cucumber yogurt did you get the other one yeah cucumber yogurt mm. Never thought I would love that, but I sure did. And you got the – it's not non bread for them. They call it something else. Yeah, it was something it? else because I think the, the father was actually from, I want to say Iran. Iran, okay. Yeah, and then um, – yeah, it was like from Iran. And then the mom was actually a Mexican. So it was a really cool like mix, you know, um, <laughs> mixed family. And uh, he I, – I, so I have neighbors that used to live – down the street from me they moved to california actually in the meantime but they still own the house so i'm i'm hoping that someday they'll be back soon um, but they're actually iranian and so i've been to their house a few times and they're friends of ours and they've cooked for us a few times and i just love the food and so um, knowing that he was actually from iran i was like oh this is awesome that's why i like this you know like this is why it's it's <laughs> it's authentic it was it was amazing and uh, then we met grace smith Right. And yeah, was, and Grace yeah. Smith really changed our lives. The direction we were going from that point. Mm. Yeah, because um, here we see this, you know, this this little old lady who is just super excited. And she's like, she comes in. She's like, she's a regular, and she's like, you know what I yeah. like, you know. And she's talking to the lady. She and, loves it, and she was getting us so excited for the food too. Yeah. And so Aaron started a conversation with her, asking her what she liked, what she preferred. We ended up pr- pretty much trying almost everything they had, like, you know, like portionally. It's like, okay, let's a little bit of that, a little bit of that. Let's try everything, you know. <laughs> and uh, it was all good. Like, it was all mm. good. We even sat down and ate with her at her table. Mm-hmm. We know there's only two tables, but we still chose to sit with her. And we shared yogurt dips and we tried different stuff. She was great. And it was such good food. If you guys are going to Death Valley and you're passing by Barstow on I-15 – do it. Yeah, Google search Mr. Kebabs and check it out. Mr. Kebab, help them stay on the map. They are mm-hmm. fantastic food. And so we are not being sponsored to tell you this. We just no. love their food so much. And so Mr. They're Kebab, a small business. Think- yeah, they're a small business. And, they, and, you know, they were struggling. There was only uh, four or five of us that came in during that, like, hour. I think we were there. And so they really could use a lot more, you know, patron- patronage. So. Yeah, and we should do a commercial for them in the break. Let's make up a commercial for them. Like, Mr. Kebab! Like, all this, like, excited music. I don't know if we can do anything in the background, but it would be fun to put down in there and be like, hey, guys, seriously, Mr. Kebab, you got to go there. So anything from – so this is what I'm talking about is that we went and got some good food, and believe it or not, we missed the sunset. 
Mm. Classic us. I was going to say earlier, I did say, this isn't even because of that. No, it was because of that. We went and had a delicious meal, hung out with Grace, talked about a lot of cool stuff. We'll talk more Mm -hmm. about what Grace was talking about with us here after in a little bit. But for Joshua Tree, we missed the sunset because of that. And so then we were going in. And afterwards, when we were scouting the area after the fact and recorded our first time ever doing a Photog Adventure video where we didn't film any of the time we're doing the photography. We only did the filming after the fact and talked about, hey, last night or earlier this morning, we were out here. Earlier this morning, we went and did this, and this is how we lit it, and we had the camera. So that was a unique situation of filming a photog adventure where it was kind of reporting after the fact how we did everything Mm. and how we shot the Milky Way. And we walked around that whole rock. We even climbed up into the backside where it's very easy to hike up. It's not a hike. It's more of a rock bouldering climb as you go up to the very top, and then you can go into the eye and look out where the climbers came up. And it's a really fantastic place. So we're filming out there and seeing everything and noticing all the wonderful, just flat terrain, nothing but Joshua trees, and then boom, boulder rocks, rocks of boulder, granite giant boulders of rock everywhere in piles and really cool formations. And next time we go out there, Brennan, we're going to have to spend a half an hour, half a day, just driving it and seeing oh, yeah, yeah. what we want to do the Milky Way with because I've only seen Milky Ways out there with trees. And I don't know why I haven't seen or gotten to know those rocks yet. Oh, I've seen quite a few shots, uh, especially like on Instagram and stuff. Um, I think um, Stephen J. Magner has a few where he's got some Good. really nice awesome. rock formations uh, there. And it just looks really, really neat. So definitely, definitely need to go back and explore that place some more. Are you referring to his Mobius arch, though? That's from Alabama Hills. No, no. I've seen some Joshua Tree okay. shots of his that are pretty great, too. Yeah. Sweet. Good job, Steven, man, because that's going to be awesome to go do more of. Mm-hmm. So there's anything else that went really well or was a challenge for you and Joshua Tree before we take our first break? No, I mean, uh, the, the experience was great. Uh, it was nice to be able to just set up and be right next to the car and not have to hike in and <laughs> yeah. uh, get our shot. So I think that worked out pretty well. Um, obviously, I know I would have done things better if I would have been able to see it during the daytime, but for what it was, I'm pretty happy with the results. Me too. Really excited to get my panorama together and see how it looks and just have my February Milky Way. For those of you who aren't patrons, you don't know about the MilkyWayPhotographers.com site that I'm putting up and Brendan and I are putting together this whole thing where you gain achievements by doing Milky Way photography and you become ranked a Milky Way photographer and with ranks. And so this is just a fun thing we're doing for our patrons and adding it to it. And we'll tell you guys more about it once I have that site up. On top of that, this video of us being out on Joshua Tree is going to come out soon. There's going to be kind of a mad dash for me with people who are freelancers helping me edit and get things done and get videos out. You know, all these old adventures that were last July that I still haven't put out. These adventures mm. from the fall. We did North Carolina. We don't have a video for North Carolina yet. There's there's things that have to come out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put these things out quickly knowing that I could stretch it out the rest of the year because there's so much content. But I'm not going to do that because I would rather be, you know, in a place and then within two, three weeks show the video of that place it'd be better perfect world that the podcast comes out the same time the video comes out so that you guys can go and like watch how it went for the most part and see what the full talk adventure was like and hear the podcast about it so -hmm. those are the things Mm -hmm. that we're planning on changing and fixing and i'm always trying to improve even though we've got this crappy situation right now that's going to get harder and then easier and easier and easier and so don't worry about it i hope you guys will trust me when i say these things will get better and i know i've said that many many times but now you know this huge step in my life is part of the reason why I haven't succeeded in these places and so hopefully you guys can stick with us keep enjoying it we love Joshua Tree 
That talk with Grace, though, before he mm. went there, it convinced us of one thing. We had to go to the Channel Islands. So let's go ahead and take our first break and come back and talk about the conversation with Grace and talk about the Channel Islands. Yeah. You guys, seriously, should go to Mr. Kebab. I know that we just talked about it, and this is now a commercial kind of formally, but the food there is awesome. If you are a guy or a girl who just likes to have rice with some nice, it's, I don't know, Brent, how you describe it? It's well, they like had, this. They had actually three, two or three different types or flavors of rice. Mm, and, really good rice. And then they had some really good garlic chicken and then some really good, like, prime, it was like prime rib um, and yeah, potatoes and stuff. Was, I mean, the, the, the flavors were unique, but always like each flavor was very unique but still delicious it was really really cool great experience um when you're out on the yeah. road and you just want some real food this is a great place to go and mm. not feel like you're eating you know gas station food or fast right food. right so thank you mr kebab for delicious dinner oh yeah love it you guys go out there and find out too i think we should start doing mr kebab stickers <laughs> Welcome back to the Photog Adventures podcast. We're talking now about we knew we had some extra time. The reason why is because Yosemite was not going to have mm, the firefall. We yeah. planned this Death Valley trip right up against the firefall. We would leave Death Valley early if we had to, if the firefall was going to be awesome. But man, not enough snowfall this year. Just not enough moisture. Yeah, I mean, I, I did see one. I did see someone's image from the firefall from this year, and it was like compared to last year, it was like a trickle. You know, really? like the sun they got something. Well, the sun still hit like the same slice that it always does, but there was just there was just like it was just a few drips. It didn't even look like a waterfall. It was just kind of like oh, I mean, the color's cool and it's still right there. But if there's that glorious big waterfall coming off, it would have been amazing. But guess what? Nah. So Man. it was yeah, it was it was a, it was it was a trickle versus a flood. You know, and it was just kind of like ah, okay, well, I guess that's why we didn't go this year. So, <laughs> yeah, dang. So in our situation of not being able to go out to Yosemite and it wasn't worth it, we had extra time. And sorry, L.A. listeners, if I hadn't. And here's just a moment behind the scenes. I talked to my wife about the divorce just a few days before we left. We're talking about the beginning of the week and then that Friday night we left. And so what was planned was that we were going to let L.A. listeners have a listener adventure with us, mm -hmm. and we were going to try and meet up with you guys, either teach photo pills, do a workshop, or just do a completely free listener adventure. But Aaron King had his life go up over its head. And so with that coming into play and seeing that it was coming to head and then it happened and then everything, you know, kind of the S hit the fan situation, the... <sighs> The, the tough challenge that I had of trying to like, now I'm planning a listener adventure in this like one week and a half notice. Actually, it would have been two weeks notice, but still I just, oh, I felt terrible. I didn't get it taken care of. So I'm sorry, LA listeners. We wanted to meet with you guys. We wanted to meet you, Rudy Serrano. We wanted to meet you, Stephen Magner. Mm. We wanted to meet you, Kevin, but we just, we, we didn't get out there. And so there's so many people out there. Adam Hoggett, I was hoping we could see him out there. We were going to see um, Ryan Luna and we we're going to be on the Catalina Island doing Milky Way there. And we told them we would, but I just, I didn't set anything up. Even another listener who's Andy, who's watched our YouTube channel, we were going to meet him at Valley of Fire, but that didn't turn out. So it's just apologize for my life taking precedence. And uh, I know that you guys probably understand in this situation, but still wish it could have happened. So we had so much extra time. We knew we were going to hit Joshua Tree or Alabama Hills or something after we left Death Valley. If since we didn't have Yosemite, but where else were we going to go? Mm. And talking to Grace, 
sealed the deal. That was, I, I mean, know. yeah, if we didn't run into her and start talking to her, because she has, I mean, she was a Marine, bio, or she's a biologist that yeah. worked for the Navy, and the Navy apparently owns, like, a couple of the islands, and I think even most of Santa Cruz Island, and so yeah. she was there back and forth all the time, like, most of her life was spent on those islands, like, studying <laughs> and stuff, and so talking to her, she's like, she's like, you guys haven't been there? She goes, it's easy, you guys should just, just go. You know, she said, go to this company, go to Island Packers. They're the best. Yeah, Island Packers. Go straight, they take you straight there. It's only like 60 bucks. I'm like, 60 bucks? Like, I was thinking it was like, give me like $100 a person to, to you know, ferry out there. I'm like, 60? Like, that's awesome. That's like almost two for the price of what I was thinking before. So that was amazing. She gave us the advice of, you know, right now, February, it's a great time to go. Mm-hmm. We kind of thought that that might be a bad idea to go. We should go later in the summer. She's like, no, now it'd be beautiful. Now, we didn't have enough snowfall, she says, enough water for it to be full of bloom. But it'll be a bad drought year, but it'll be great. And she's talking about the mm-hmm. foxes. You know what? You know, Brenny Richards told us in her podcast, you know, months ago about those tiny pygmy foxes and the pygmy skunks that are out there and how cool it would be. And so we got confident that, this will be fine. Let's do it. Let's go to the Channel Islands. And so, oh, what else from Grace? Oh, I want to tell you this. Grace is telling us that biologists out there get bored so much when they're on one of the islands that has a ton of walruses and sea lions. And they said that some of the things they did to pass the time is want to see which one, see, okay, let's count how many times a sea lion has sex in an hour. And they go through and they're like, the record was something like was it eight or nine? I think it was like seven or eight, I think. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. And we're talking in an hour. These sea lions get around between insane. everyone within an hour. And so funny location, really funny woman. We had a great time hanging out with Grace. Grace, if you found our podcast and you're listening to it right now, thank you so much. Oh, we're yeah. We're going to talk about our experience in Channel Island, thanks to you. And oh, just, okay, amazing. So now let's go into it. You mentioned Island Packers. I'm going to put them in the show notes. Mm-hmm. In order for us to go and get ready for this this experience, we called the Island Packers on the road from Joshua Tree, and we scheduled everything. We got it set, but then two hours later, we get an email that says, all trips are canceled for Friday. Weather is bad. And we're thinking, oh, crap. Yeah, so that see, that, that threw our plans off a bit because that's the one thing I'm glad we kind of didn't do a listener adventure because having that extra day as a as a wasted day because the weather was fine, but it was the, it was the waves and the swells and the tide right. that was throwing off um, that day. Um, I think the winds were just too strong that day, and so it created big swells, and it would have made us all seasick trying to get out there, and it would have been pretty too, pretty dangerous probably too. And so, right. um, so that's why they, they off-put that a whole day. So um, we had to find other things to fill our time that day, and so that was kind of a free day for us. But um, that was a challenge, though. It's a challenge when you're dealing with, uh, with the weather affecting the ocean. Um, you've got to give yourself – that's one tip of advice I'd say is give yourself a couple of days if you're going to do a trip like this or maybe plan like an entire week because there, there could be one day that's a good day and one day that's not. So Yeah, and we're going to talk about how specifically it'd be better if you camp. Plan on camping mm-hmm. and go out there for a few days because there's so much you can see, oh, yeah. but it all happens so fast. And we'll, we'll get there and we'll talk about that. But specifically his tip about the weather, it was beautiful in L.A. We had a great weather. It was, there weren't any rainstorms or terrible things. It was just some clouds, beautiful sunset, and normal kind of weather. Kind of windy, but we didn't think about it. And so when it might feel great on the mainland, between that and getting out to the Channel Islands could be a crazy torrential, uh, just a situation that at least when it comes to legalities and safeties of 
public, they're not going to, you know, shuttle you, ferry, ferry you out there. And so be prepared for days that look fine to possibly cancel on you. Mm-hmm. At least that was our experience the first time ever doing it. Yeah. And on the island, you bring your own water, you bring mm-hmm. your own food. And so we packed just the bare minimum. I didn't bring anything crazy. I borrowed your 85 millimeter because we knew... The kind of photography we would do during the day, we would arrive sometime around 11 a.m. and we had to get back on the boat by 4 p.m. So there was no golden hour photography, nothing at all, which is why you should camp. Because if you Mm want to see the sunset from Channel Islands or the sunrise, you've got to stay overnight. When you got the boat on the day trip, you're out there finally by 11, 30, 12, and you got to get back in four hours. And it is something that we thought we could do a whole lot more on the island, but just that 1.4 or that they claim hike, it it took a while. And so I had the 85 millimeter, you had your 100 millimeter. Um, I didn't bring anything other than the 50, something that kind of gave us a little bit of a chance to do some wildlife photography. Nothing like we should have had like 100 to 400 or even better. And so we took our one bag, Packed in two sandwiches, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches we made, got a lot of water, and we're ready to go. And we had warm weather clothes in the situation if it was too warm, cold weather clothes in case it got too cold for us. And if we got, for any reason, stranded on this island, we didn't know what to expect. And then we got to the area where we had the boat. And so in Island Packers, there's just a harbor up there in Ventura that you can go to. And there, you think that you're going to be the only one going out there on this kind of day. But no, there were dozens of people joining us, families and all people alike, interested in going out to this Santa Cruz Island. And specifically, you pick your island, whether you're going to go just on a trip that goes around the island or whether you're going to go to this island or that island. And we asked to go to the Santa Cruz Island through the Island Trekkers. And we weren't going to do any... Uh, kayaking and we weren't going to do anything else on there and we weren't camping and so they clarified whether camping day tripping and whatever and then we went out with them on the boat and if any of you are worried about seasickness obviously it can be completely different person to person and obviously day to day but on a day like we went with decent swells decent swells just kind of calm water and we're <laughs> booking it out there it's a straight line so you're not turning you're not doing anything it's just the up and down and i never got seasick even a little bit did you feel anything brendan no we were we were in the back uh top end of the boat too and normally that's like the worst place to be <laughs> yeah. uh for seasickness and uh, i was i was totally fine i when he first said he could get seasick, I started remembering a time I did get seasick before, and my stomach <laughs> was just like, oh, no. It got into your head, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, I was psyching myself out. I'm just like, and I'm feeling those old feelings, and my stomach's like, this could be bad. I'm just like, and then after a while, I'm just like, uh, on the water, I'm just like, this is fine. I mean, this is like, this yeah. is totally fine. Not a problem. I even spent time on my phone looking at it as we're rocking up and down, playing Clash Royale. So I had Signal still out there. And it was an hour ride from where we left to when we got there. Yeah, and so yeah. there's lots of time on the boat to pass. And so I never got seasick even looking down at my phone the whole time. So it's fantastic. I recommend the Island Trekkers. On our way back, there was quite a special experience, and we'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. But when we arrived at the island, what were some of your first impressions, man? Um, the island's pretty uh, pretty basic. I mean, there's not a whole lot going on there. When you first land, it's just a simple like dock you've got to climb up, and then uh, you can just walk right out to this kind of pebbly beach. And you know, when you first approach the um, the ca- you're going towards the campsite. You're walking towards the campsite. So you start walking towards it. You see like there's a little visitor center and some like you know benches and stuff. And there's even like a house. So someone actually lives on the island. 
and they've got yeah it says nice, residential yes yeah, a residential plate right there on the wall and you get a nice green grass and just really nice you know place <laughs> and uh but then you see the campground and then you start seeing you know the foxes walking around and stuff too and you're just like oh there's one like it was it was pretty cool and you see some campers like shooing them away <laughs> and you've got these foxes that are just the right size to barely be bigger or maybe even smaller than some house cats. Yeah. They are yeah. crazy small. They were really small. I was surprised. I mean, they said they were going to be small, but like they literally were like the size of a cat. And um, <laughs> it was pretty neat to see those guys. And of course, they were hanging you, out with the people because that's where the people have the food, you know. And so. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful faces, you know, really good looking eyes and the color in their face. And they just kind of lumbered around slowly. Mm-hmm. They seemed lethargic almost in the day. And so they're just scavengers and they hung around all the populated areas waiting for their trash to fall on the ground and eat the food that people had dropped. Yeah. Yeah. As we approached the campground, um, we saw a couple of foxes walking around and we thought, oh, this is a perfect opportunity. Like one was laying in the grass right off to the side. Like it was just grass and some little hilly dirt and some trees behind him. So I was like, oh, this is perfect. They're already really close too. Yeah. And they would just let us like walk right up. Like we're all like five feet away from this guy. And he's just like kind of just hanging out like, eh, whatever. And you got um, any food, buddy? Yeah. And so <laughs> um, I got down really low and had my 100 millimeter on and uh, realized really fast that 100 millimeters is just not enough. Like you right. need that reach to really get the the eyes and uh, the close-ups that you want. Um, I was really, really wishing I had that 100 to 400 or 100 to 300 to shoot this because, you know, it wasn't that much heavier of a lens and it would have been fantastic to have. But still, I did the best with what I had and I thought it was kind of cool to get down there. And, uh, you know, then I started getting closer and closer because I wanted to get that, you know, that closeness in the shot. Mm -hmm. And then he's just like, yeah, "Yeah, you're getting too close and just walked off. So three feet is where I draw the line. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So in this area, Channel Islands, when you get up the ramp, you get up the first ladder of the dock and you walk in, there's kind of only one trail. And that takes you past the historical center, past the residential mm-hmm. home that someone's actually living in, and then past the area to rent kayaks and rent things and then continue on to the campground. And now it starts splitting. And mm-hmm. there's a turnoff that we didn't take in the beginning that I'm glad we didn't, but we could have. And if you guys go, probably should go that route. What happens is, is that there's a look called the... Um, rim overlook darn i've already forgotten it cavern overlook cavern point cavern Cavern point Point. and cavern point overlook is up on the edge where it's not these it's got these beautiful sheer rock walls going down into the water and it's just really great way to see bird life and really cool trees and so you hike up to that and then you hike along the ridge towards where it has the potato hub overlook the potato haven (laughs) was it no it was a potato uh, cove or something like that Potato Cove, Potato Cove Mm -hmm. Overlook. And so when we started hiking past that, we saw one that said 1.3 miles or something or 1.4 miles to Potato Cove Overlook. We thought, let's just start there. Let's go that. And we kept walking and walking. And then we saw a campground only in front of us. And to the right was a trail going up a hill with this white path. And we ended up following a few people going that way. Mm -hmm. And that same path eventually meets up with the Cavern Point um, hike. And when you got to that point, it was amazing to see the water. Cause otherwise mm. before then you could have been in any state, you could have been in any state in a nice little hilly area, somewhat of a forested area. And you'd be, you know, just seeing this kind of terrain other than the tiny foxes, everything seems normal. But yeah. Then I mean, you get to the top. Of, yeah. Go ahead. Maybe there's what? Go ahead. I mean, there is some big trees and some dry grass and it, there's some, you know, some plant life and some cactus and stuff like that. It could have been 
anywhere in Arizona, California, or even uh, Utah for that fact. I mean, it right. very similar. And then you get to the top and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm on an island. Mm-hmm. I'm on an island. Now, you can't see Santa Cruz like you expect where you stand at the top and you're like both directions, water. It, you From this location, you could not see that. You had mm-hmm. to go to the next ridge mm-hmm. and that's towards the Navy property. And you can get up there. There's even a visitor center over there, but you got to go to what was called the Something Canyon. Um, basically where we went, if you go through the campground and keep going off to your left, there's two trails that you can mm-hmm, take that mm-hmm. go over on the left side or go more southern tip of the island, and you get up there to Kaleidoscope Canyon or something, something. I, I can't remember it. But it basically but it takes a, you to the other shoreline, so it takes you to the yeah. other bay, yeah. And from there, you can work your way through the canyon and go up on the ridge, and it looked like it took you over to the border of the um, Navy section, and there's another campsite. There's another visitor center, and I'm wanting to go there next time to see what oh, the view yeah. is up there. Oh, yeah. I'm hoping it's up high and not just at the bottom of that mountain on mm. the other side, which it could be. It could just all be on that side. So our hike to the top, we finally start seeing the water, and it's beautiful. We end up having lunch, sitting on a rock that's hanging over, not a cliff, but more of a very steep downward slope that then leads to a cliff and then falls. And you're seeing this water curl up into this cove and you can see the terrain of the rock, the rocky face of this island go up and jut straight up and you can see it curve out there on this point and then a point in the distance and then onto our left. At one point, there was this sound, and we thought, what was that? We thought maybe Brendan turned something on on his phone or maybe we heard something fall or a parachute opened. You know, it sounded like a parachute opening. Yeah, it was a really and loud I, whooshing sound. And we both looked up at the same time and we see there's a hawk and a raven in a fight. And the raven gets away and flies away and the hawk re, you know, gains his strength or his falcon regains its flight and then goes a, a, a direction off to the, to the north. And so that sound was him dive bombing this raven and then catching his wings out to try and like stop enough to capture that raven. He just missed. Yeah, it was nuts because you looked up and saw, and I was looking around like, "What is that?" And then you saw the actual action. I missed him. Like, oh, and I saw, oh, I saw them, bad. I saw them parting ways, but I never saw the struggle between the two of them. So you never saw a somersault in the air a little bit, and that's no. all I saw was like a, one somersault and then kind of a separation, a wing flap and beating, and then they flew away. And that's probably when you saw was when they flew away. So for all the bird photographers out there, you're going to be so mad at us because it was like, you should have got that moment. It would have been amazing. You know, (laughs) it would have, man, that sound was so alerting. It's like, Whoa, what was that? Just that wings of that powerful bird of prey. And it was literally right over our heads. It was crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that was a beautiful lunch sitting there, eating our, drinking our Gatorade, eating our peanut butter and jelly sandwich, dangling our legs over a precipice. It was beautiful facing towards the mainland we could see la smog and think we're not over there mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a beautiful area up on this hike and from there you can go back to where i said was the split off and you can head yourself back down to the, the dock or the campground or you can continue left which takes you to the potato hug potato, no, potato cove, cove. Yeah. Potato Cove Overlook, and we went that way, and that's where everyone was going. But while while we were there, what went really well, I think the best picture of the entire day happened right there from our lunch. Yeah, so I mean, people were, people were literally walking right past us, probably like we were sitting down, and they were walking maybe a foot or two above our heads on the path. Yeah, very close. Very close. Five yards. And around. they would just look down and be like, oh, hey, guys, and like, hey, and and uh, – and then I noticed off to the, the corner of my eye, after hearing that bird swoosh, I, I was kind of on more alert 
moat. <laughs> and so I saw this little bird like floating around in the bush. And I'm like, oh, it's just like a little chickadee bird. But then I look up and I'm like, what is what is he doing? And then I looked up and on the path was a fox like looking at the bird. Like, should I pounce on him? Should I not pounce on him? <laughs> you know what I mean? And the bird's like, like, like teasing him, you know? And so I'm like, oh, oh, like there's a fox right there. And he's literally like, you know, six feet from us. And so I got my camera out and then I started crinkling a wrapper. <laughs> like, look what I'm Tempting. opening, you know, and I wasn't actually opening, but I'll I was making the noise. And he looks over at us and he's just like, hey, I hear something that might be good. And so he <laughs> he kind of meanders over towards us. And as he does, I get my camera and I'm just like, you know, with 100 millimeter, the closer he got, the better. And I'm just like, snap, 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 snap. And uh, one of the last shots was him just walking casually by us as he's looking at our direction, I got a, a, a shot that I'm really happy with. It was my first real, like, probably one of the, my first real wildlife shots that I'm actually, like, proud of and and uh, want to keep doing, you know, more wildlife because it was pretty cool. It was awesome. It is a good shot. And now what happens is he's taking those steps with his front paws, and then he does a one crossover and then, like, the perfect pose and looks right at Brendan. And I think – I don't haven't seen it in big, but was the eye in focus – Yes, um, I actually did have my. It's a uh, it's a 100 millimeter f 2.8, and I think I had it at set at uh, 5.6. So once you focus anywhere near his face, you're going to get pretty much good sharpness and oh, awesome, a good blurry background still too. And so he had some really good separation with the bokeh background being blurred out, and his whiskers are nice and sharp, and his eyes <laughs> yes. are his. I would say his eyes are just maybe barely out of focus, but when you look it on an Instagram, it just looks amazing. It just looks the same. So have you posted to Instagram? It is. It is, on our, Instagram. it is on our Instagram feed. And, um, and uh, yeah, so it's, uh, it was really fun to go and, uh, to post that and share that. And, uh, I got a few, you know, wildlife guys, uh, following us now because of that. So it was good. <laughs> yes. So then, in the situation that we captured that shot, we thought there's a lot more where that came from. A couple came up the trail and they said, we're like, you see that fox? They're like, oh no, we haven't seen a fox yet. And like, at that point, we foxes. had seen eight to ten. Yeah. Like, oh, they're everywhere. And then from that point on, I didn't see them again until we got back down to the campsite. Mm-hmm. I think that during the daytime, they probably do hang out more in the shade or on the campground and stuff. And it's just easy pickings for food and stuff. But um, I think every once in a while, they do you know, go on the path during the daytime, but there was very, I mean, we only saw that one. And so I think they probably travel the paths and look for other uh, mice and stuff to eat maybe at night, probably a lot more. So, Well, then if you're going to be out there and doing fox photography, hang out in the shadow areas, but get ready for it to be not too light. And so if you go early morning or late at night, I bet when all the people have kind of left, I bet it gets a little bit more busy. Exactly. A lot more time. So then hiking the trail over to Potato Cove Overlook, we're passing people we've seen over and over again throughout the day from our day trip and kind of having that like feeling of these strangers are now friends. You know, you start seeing people you're recognizing mm-hmm. and you get to the end and you ask people coming towards you like, hey, what else is after there? And they because you start noticing it's been two hours. These people are coming back the direction that we're going. Why are they coming back at us? Why aren't they still in front of us somewhere? And I asked them, okay, we guys are coming back. Uh, is there nothing up there? And they said, oh, the trail ends up here and we're heading back. And that was it. That's the end. Once you get to Potato Cove Overlook, other than just skirting around in areas down below that are dangerous and lead you to cliff edges that have no entrance into the cave or on the cave, but the, the beach at the cove, you can't get down to the beach. It, there's nothing else. Mm. It's just you hike all the way into Potato Cove Overlook and then you hike back to... Uh, cavern point and then you hike back down to the dock that's all you have time to do in one day 
and that's a bummer. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, it was like a. It felt like a really quick scouting trip. I mean, even though it was like um, from eleven till four, it was like five hours, but we hiked about six, six and a half miles that whole time, and still uh, was not enough. I mean, it was just not enough. I mean, the island um, of Santa Cruz, like I didn't realize, but like two thirds of the island is actually like you know owned by the navy and i don't know if that means it's inaccessible or if it's just that they manage that part i don't actually know that so i want to do some more research that but i think that if you spent a week there you could cover the whole island and there's it's so big i think you could easily spend a week there and uh, get some great shots uh of both sunset sunrise and maybe the daytime wildlife stuff i mean i think you'd have a blast spending a whole week there especially if you had access to the whole entire island yeah exactly right and so if you're going to go on a day trip, don't overpack like we did. Oh, my we gosh. We definitely yeah. overpacked. It was definitely a day where there's wind, but it was never cold, and it's no. February. So, so I had my snow pants in my bag. I had extra jackets and fleeces. I mean, it was just like <laughs> I was carrying this huge, heavy bag for, like, no reason. It was, like, making me, like, hotter and sweatier. And, there uh, were families with kids where only the mom had a backpack and the father's carrying kids on his back and everyone's just in t-shirt and pants and just hanging out. <laughs> we're just like, and we're going uh, through there. We look like we're going to live there socks, for a week. Wool socks, you know, hiking boots, uh, you know, just the full, <laughs> yeah. It was crazy. Overkill. So you guys got to know that a day trip there, wear a windbreaker, get a thin, thin layer pant. That's something you can put on if it gets really windy, but you just go in shorts, go in some good shoes that you're okay with hiking up and down. in. it's not a crazy hard hike. It's uphill and it feels exhausting like any uphill hike will, but it's not difficult. Anyone can do it. Uh, we saw people of all ages doing this and at most it was two and a half miles in to Potato Cove Overlook, I think. On our trail tracking that we were doing, it ended up being just about, you know, we hiked about what, five miles that day total. Yeah, I think my tracker showed six and a half total from dock, from docking to dock. But, um, but yeah, um, not too bad, you know. I, I, I'm amazed that sometimes I can even hike six miles in a day without even thinking about it, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> right. We're getting so good at it, man. We really, we really, really are. And so out there... If you're going to go, go camp, get yourself a few nights, get a sunset, sunrise. There's beautiful locations. Try the other side as well. Mm -hmm. Hike over there, camp there for a few nights. It, it's fantastic. We never saw the skunks. I think that's because we needed to be out at night. We yeah. only ever yeah. saw the foxes and some birds. And on our way back, as we're coming through, we took the trail on top on our way mm -hmm. back. And mm -hmm. it was really great being up there because you saw... First, Brendan saw the tree that looked interesting that had one yellow flower coming out of it. We're thinking that's got to be an epiphyte, something that's growing on the tree. Yeah, like somehow this not daisy seed like, started growing in the tree somehow, and it was really yeah. interesting, yeah. And so we got a picture of it. We were so amazed that we kept hiking and realized, oh, wow, there's a field of these trees. <laughs> and apparently these trees really do have yellow flowers. These little, like, what, two feet tall, maybe just one and a half foot tall bush-like things? Yeah, they're two really feet. interesting, yeah. Very interesting, very very photogenic and the yellow flowers that would be beautiful to see in bloom. I can't wait to go back there some year where it's just all green in the spring. It would be fantastic. Yeah. Because if the, if the grass is green, it was really dry grass this, this, when we went. And so, you know, seeing that green grass growth and having those, uh, those green trees be, you know, they have these really weird, like green, like almost like mossy, like leaves. And then these like mm -hmm. daisy, like flowers growing out of them, 
yellow daisies. It was just totally, it's totally Very trippy. curious tree. Yeah. I've never seen a tree like that. We just barely watched the show Annihilation, and it's a terrible movie. Sorry, spoiler alert, it sucks. <laughs> and it's not for me, at least. And the the whole ideas of these trees combining with multiple DNAs of other DNAs, and it seemed like these trees were like that. Mm, this mm-hmm. was an evergreen tree bush slash flower pot. And it's like, how, how is this thing working? It's a curious, curious And it was tree. a pygmy tree. It was really tiny too. And so it's just like, is everything on this island tiny? It's so weird. It's so, <laughs> it's so interesting. I felt right at home. I was a giant <laughs> among everything. <laughs> Until you get to the campground, they have these huge like eucalyptus trees that were yeah, like, like massive. Almost like oak trees with eucalyptus leaves. Yeah, it was uh, We really don't know strange. our trees. So here's where this whole trip, amazing, and you cannot get this to happen. This is not something you guys will probably have ever happened if you ever go on Island Trekkers, but Brendan and I experienced it, and we'll have it in our YouTube video. Island Packers. On Island Packers. Yeah. On our way back, we're coming through the boat. It's taking us, you know, ferrying us back, and then it turns off trail. It turns off the direction it's been going and says, sorry, everybody, we're going to take a break here. We've got some dolphins, and we're thinking, oh, cool. Two dolphins are over there. I see them. And as we're doing it, everyone's running to the right side of the boat. It's tilting and <laughs> it's starting to list to the list starboard side. And it's starting to become this crazy thing that you're ba- balancing, trying to get around people. And Brendan and I had an awesome spot because we're in the back row. No one was in front of us and we could mm-hmm. see everything perfectly. And those two dolphins turned to 12 dolphins, which turned to 30 dolphins, which turned to hundreds of dolphins yeah so the guy so the captain was like yeah so it looks like this is a megapod and i think a megapod means there's thousands of dolphins like a megapod like a giant school of dolphins yeah oh i totally think that there were thousands but i'm wondering if i'm overstating it because you look out and you see dolphins jumping and waves and you look out as far as your eye can see and you can see dolphins jumping out in the in the sunlight yeah the sun's setting behind them and you're seeing this gossamer glimmer of light across all of the water and then dolphins breaking that shot the breaking that light breaking that light and giving you a silhouette and so you could see dolphins very far and ah man you think it means thousands yeah i think so i was looking that up it was really awesome um and uh so we got our you know i didn't get my camera out my camera's still in my bag and so i get my phone out i'm like i'm gonna record this because getting video would be pretty awesome and plus you know i only had a hundred millimeter on me so i was like you know, my shots will be mediocre at best, so I might as well just get it on uh, video. And uh, that was pretty cool because just to sit there and see the dolphins, like, we're, we're slowly moving. The boat wasn't stopped fully, but we're slowly moving along, you know, the side of these dolphins as they're swimming. And I was able to get a cool video. So we'll, we'll include that in our YouTube video. Um, and what's funny is I made – I started talking to the lady next to me who, was a, who had a, a nice zoom lens. It looked like she had, like, a 70 to 300 maybe on her Nikon. And so I started talking to her. I'm like, hey, did you get some good shots, stuff like that? And so – and then after the dolphins, she's just like, oh, man, that was awesome. That was amazing. Like, she's like, now all we need to do is see a whale now. And I'm like, yeah, like that'd be, that would be that would be awesome. That would round things out. <laughs> and um, and so the boat keeps going. He says, yeah, that was awesome. You know, checking out the dolphins. Now we're going to keep going and, and uh, we'll be back sh- – to shore soon and then uh what was it more than not even 10 minutes later he's like Very, well we're gonna stop yeah. again if you guys uh, look over to your i don't know what was it um three o'clock it too- around three o'clock uh if, it, yeah. if the, so if the front of the boat's 12 look over to your three o'clock and sure enough as we see some you know some spouting water and uh and he's like yeah there's a little baby humpback whale over here with his mama and the lady's just like i look at that lady i'm like dude you totally called it you know like whoa <laughs> and so that was pretty incredible that uh 
that that happened as well. So I got a, a couple of pictures. Still, only had my hundred millimeter. So I wish I had something with a more reach. But oh, I know. I got the tail. I got a little tail, you know, flipping up. So when I texted my wife, I'm like, "Hey, I got a picture of a whale tail." I told her to make sure it was it's a real whale, not but the other kind of whale tail. And so, um, oh, I don't know what you're saying, but I hope it's not dirty. <laughs> <laughs> Some of our podcast listeners will just be laughing right now. So enjoy the joke. Um, I got an actual whale tail. That was kind of cool. And uh, I tried really hard in Oregon when we were there to get it. But all I got was like the top of like the, the very top of the head. And they didn't really do much uh, flipping of the whale of the tail. And so uh, I think uh, when a whale sticks his tail up, he's happy. And usually the babies kind of do it when they're frolicking and stuff. And so um, it was kind of cool to see that. I got a sh- couple shots of that. So I hope this lady got some better shots because she had more of a zoom. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was really fun, really fun trip on the way back, uh, to enjoy that during sunset, having that golden light and the beautiful sun setting on the water and having the crazy dolphins and a, you know, a little bit of date, you know, whale to shoot at. It was, it was pretty cool. It was amazing. And I wish I could say that every time you go, you'll see one, but I looked mm. it up in a dolphin megapod. Dolphins are known to travel in groups known as pods of 15 to up to 200. But as far as we can tell, a pod of a hundred thousand or more has never been seen before. And that's in 2013 when they thought that there was a hundred thousand dolphins off in a megapod off of San Diego. Holy and cow. we're talking crazy amounts. And so what we saw was probably a megapod and it wasn't just 200 dolphins. It was hundreds and hundreds. And it was just insane. As you would see a dolphin, you know, come out of the water, you'd see 12 others in the distance doing it. And you know that there were 12 others in the water not coming out yet. And mm-hmm. there's hundreds and hundreds. Just We could look every direction, right, left, straight behind us. And we saw dolphins. It was incredible. It was so much fun to see these dolphins. And so it was a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful way to end the trip. It and we really have that was, video. Yeah. I'm going to put it out there. Brendan's video too. You have it some uh, as well. I can mm-hmm. put them both on the show notes. Uh, be patient. If you get to the show notes before me and I don't have the video for some reason because I'm hosting it somewhere, loading it to YouTube, I apologize. I will get it out there. Just be patient with me. So let's go ahead and take our last break of the podcast and we'll come back and do gear time and tip of the week. Okay. If you guys are thinking about getting out to the UK and you thought Iceland would be great, but I also want to see something different. I want to experience something undiscovered. I want to discover a place like the Faroe Islands. Mm. I hope you guys will come out with us and James Kelly. We're going to be out there in September from the 10th to the 17th. It's a very awesome one week long workshop of doing landscape and astrophotography if we can. It just all depends if we get any chance of seeing the night sky. Then we're going to get out there and do some aurora, but that's not part of the guarantee. We can't guarantee it. I'm just praying but for it. But it would be spectacular. I mean, not only could we get some stars, but we really could get Aurora. I mean, it could happen. It's late, it's later in the season. Yeah. It's totally possible. I'm really excited. Really excited for that trip. Check it out at photogadventures.com forward slash adventures, and you'll see our workshops there. And Faroe Islands Workshop is that big yellow button at the top. Check it out. See if you guys are up for it. And join us at Faroe Islands and discover an undiscovered place and get some awesome landscape photography in. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh Today on Gear Time, I want to just talk about the difference between a camera bag and a hiking bag. So, I mean, there's some camera bags that are more hiking style, like the one that Aaron has. He's got the uh, yeah. what is mind it? shift, the mind shift, and um, and that one is great because the the main difference between my bag is I've got the Canon camera bag and it's a backpack, but it's really not meant for like hiking in because. The, the bottom of it is like hard. It puts right up against my back. And so when I tighten it all up, you know, it's got like a little waist strap and a little strap for the for the um, shoulders as well. But 
uh, it's just not the most comfortable thing. And so mm. when I switch everything over and I, you know, don't be afraid to pack a couple lenses and make maybe like a fleece or a scarf or something and put them into an actual hiking bag. So when I switch over to my black diamond bag, I've got some bigger, chunkier hip support where all the weight goes on my hips and I can clip it in real tight. And I've got more control over my shoulder straps as well. And it's just so much more comfortable. It's got more options for other things to go in, bottles, water bottles, and it's got a bladder pocket inside. And so um, there's just so much more convenience with an actual hiking bag versus a camera bag. And, you know, if you're just going to hang out, if you're doing a lot of photography, that's mostly you're driving and you're traveling in your car, then a regular camera bag is fine. But if, if you plan on hiking for more than, I'd say, more than like two miles, then you definitely me definitely want to consider getting a different camera bag that's more like a hiking bag or a, specifically a hiking bag uh, in general. So um, I know it's not much of an awesome gear time, but uh, that's that's pretty much what I experienced for this trip. And so uh, just wanted to yeah, show the difference between you guys. And I'll add on there, too, that the Mindshift is a great bag that sucks. Um, it sucks because I have very little space inside. The main purpose of my Mindshift is that I got this spot here that I can take it on my waist, pull it out, and then while on my waist, access my camera. But other than the 85-millimeter lens, there's nothing else I can keep on my camera attached to the front. 85 and smaller, you know, my Tamron's mm. even too big for me to put on there and then keeping the bag zipped up. So I have to disconnect my lenses and I only have space for a body and two lenses, maybe a 50 in there squeezed in. It could actually fit all together in this small little waist pocket. So I put that thing back in there and now I have to go into the top part of the bag, which is the big open 30, li 30 liter backpack that is nice for fitting other content, but it's just... I need to put in a separate, you know, container in there that's going to hold lenses. What do they call those? I always forget them. They're like a um, CET, LEC or something. It's, hmm. it's basically this efficient way of putting in a separate set of uh, squares that you put lenses in and have all the padding. Oh, and yeah, has a Velcro yeah. that you can move them around and organize your lenses and then they zip yeah, up yeah, themselves. Yeah. So you put That'd one of cool. those in here and add in. That could be better, but it's just the convenience of the waist thing is just not enough. It's annoying how I only fit some of my gear there and some of my gear in the top and then I have to work around with it. I want to get one of those other bags, like an F-stop ba bag, that's going to open up and then be a camera bag where it's like, look, I've got camera gear in all these sections. I got lenses like 70 to 200 plugged into my camera and then that's going to be great. So while mm. this is a good hiking bag and I like how I hold it, I very, 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 very rarely use that waste part of it and pull it out and take advantage of it and when I do sometimes it's annoying if I don't do it before I take it off if I have it on the ground I try and do that it's obnoxious if I have it on my waist it's really easy but then I got to squeeze it back over and get it in and so it hasn't been fantastic for that but when it comes to hiking and having you know a two liter um, water bladder in here and having access to something that goes on my hip takes all the weight off of my back and puts it on my hips more it's a great hiking yeah. backpack love it for sure cool so for tip of the week this week guys I just want want to talk about lighting your Milky Way shots and dealing with low lights on tripods are tougher with all these tall bushes and going out to a location and planning it before you're there because you're going to have a very quick Milky Way. This Milky Way that's going to be up and gone before you know it and so it's better if you can just come into that situation prepared and have enough lights. We, feel, we felt that problem in Joshua Tree and we wish we had a secondary light with us. When we originally left on the trip we were going to meeting up with Jeff and Tim and they had 
headlights. So we weren't really worried about bringing a ton of stuff. And I wish we had more. We had more of our lights, two lights on tripods, or even light stands that allow us to put it up really high, like what Drew was doing. That's so mm. much better to light these rock faces when you have it up nice and high and really fill the area with the light. And so definitely make sure you have the proper amount of lights with you. Go the extra mile and bring some smaller ones that you can dim that are nice and like, like the light that Brendan wants to use his phone for. You can do these little key lights and small lights that you can focus on or just even those LEDs that you click on, click off and use them as a light source. It's always better to have your subjects lit well than it is to worry about color temperature and all of that stuff. When you come back to your shot and you see it afterwards, all you're going to really pay attention to is the fact that your foreground looks awesome and it's visible and sharp and then your Milky Way looks tremendous and it's just accenting this awesome image Mm. so you will enjoy getting your lights and bring in the right lights i hope that you guys will do that so episode 71 because of my situation i haven't told anyone who's won the um carson lumi loop the people we owe our portrait review our portfolio reviews we still owe you guys i apologize for you know putting a real wrench into our production here on Photog Adventures. It's my fault. I will fix it. Make this thing work for you guys. Thanks for your patience with everything. Really appreciate you guys. Yes, thank you for your support, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Patreon, uh, for your patronage. And uh, yeah, we're, we're excited to go out and create more content for you guys. So thanks for listening this week. Appreciate the patience on the delay, and we'll get back on track again. And next time we're going to be talking about uh, what do we have pending? I guess from this trip we don't have anything, do we? We'll have some interviews. Yeah. So come back for some more. we got Royce Bear pending. We're going to get back and talk more Milky Way. So thanks, guys. See you guys. Have a good week. Bye.